Well, good morning. Let's try that. And I just want to say welcome to all of our campuses who are joining in in this service. We're glad that you're a part of Faith Promise, whether you're worshiping online or at another physical location uh, here at our Mississippi campus where I am. Uh, just a wonderful crowd of people and uh, just excited for all that God has for us this morning as we worship together and now as we join God uh, in looking at his word and just considering what he has for us. And so many of you will be disappointed this weekend, no matter what campus you're at, because you came with anticipation. Maybe even the only reason you came to church this weekend was to know what happened last weekend in the heart for the harvest, right? And pastor always leaves me to be the bearer of bad news. Have you noticed that? He gives my wrong email address every time he tells someone to complain about something that's happening at the church. And, and he left me in no greater position today. We realized a few years ago when we started the Heart for the Harvest offering uh, that there were many people who wouldn't be there the weekend of Heart for the Harvest and they would give the following weekend. And so at each of our campuses, there's still the opportunity for you to give and be a part and uh, we really do uh, pray and are grateful for all of the great things that happened last weekend, but look forward with anticipation next week as Pastor Chris will be back and he'll be able to share with you exactly what happened uh, as a part of our offering. And so you have one more week to wait and don't zone out yet because we still have some business to talk about today as well uh, as we open up God's Word. But, you know, I was just thinking about what do you do on a weekend in between? I mean, last weekend was marked with such generosity and just incredible opportunity for us to show a little bit of what God has done for us as we give back to him. And we all come together and say, it's important in the life of our church to, uh, to do things that go beyond just one physical location. As that's what Heart for the Harvest is all about, that we all join together across each of our campuses and we, we give an offering that says, this is for the future, as Pastor mentioned. And then this weekend, we have Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving's a time that we stop, and so many of us take a moment to say thank you. You know, thank you, God, or thank you to our family. Or, it really is a day, I think, that most people have such a great uh, moment of heartfelt gratitude for what's happened in their life, for where they find themselves, no matter where that may be. And it's such a peculiar, peculiar place because we have this great time of sacrifice and we're looking ahead to these moments of thanksgiving that will happen this week. And it's even a time that our nation designates, right, as a day that we all give thanks for what God has done. And it came to me and, and just reminded me that, you know, even though we all believe that we're thankful, we're probably not really as thankful as we truly think that we are. Several years ago, actually, uh, probably coming up on 13 or so, uh, Kim and I had gotten married, and we had built a house in the process of getting married, and it was a really small house, but that year, we were in Texas, and we said, we're going to do uh, the meal uh, for the holidays at our house, and I, we thought, this is going to be incredible. We get the chance to cook and have everyone over, and I don't know about you guys out there, but for me, like, it's a man thing to buy a turkey. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you go in, you try to buy the biggest one that you can find. Guys, do you know what I'm talking about? Well, maybe at this campus nobody's bought a turkey, but somewhere else. But I'm telling you, we grab, you know, you just go in there. And, and I didn't realize at that point that falling out, you know, a 15, 20, 25-pound turkey, it's a little bit more than pulling it out the morning of, okay? So that's something you can take with you this week, just cooking tips from Josh. Those won't take you very far. But nonetheless, you know, we had this huge turkey, and, and, and we had one oven, right? We had the little setup where you have the, the oven and the stove, and we throw the turkey in there, and nothing else will fit in the oven. 
And how do you cook all the other stuff at Thanksgiving when you want to be this great blessing to your family? You know, you've got to cook the, the, the sweet potatoes and all these other casseroles and things like that. And, and it was literally a disaster. We came to the end of that and said, if there's ever going to be Thanksgiving provided at our house, we're going to Cracker Barrel. You know what I'm saying? Pay $8 a person, bring it back home, put it in our own containers, and we'll have everything that we need. And you know, in that moment, I have to be honest with you guys, we weren't really grateful for the situation that we found ourselves in. We were frustrated and, and really annoyed that we had put ourselves in this predicament of doing something for someone else, even if it was family, the frustration of trying to get all of this stuff together. And it made me think about just the gratitude that we have or how it sometimes lacks. And I was doing a little research this week, and, and I wanted to share this with you in this thought I shared with our staff a few weeks ago, that sometimes the simplest things, sometimes the simplest things become the most neglected things. Sometimes the simplest things become the most neglected things. Now, think about this, if you will. Let me give you an example. Since 1950, water usage around the world has tripled. Now, let me read some statistics to you. However, only 20% of the world's population has access to running water. With the average person in a, in a developing country or in the developing world using a little more than two and a half gallons per day for drinking, washing, and cooking. Listen to this. While the average person in the developed world, a country like the United States, uses 13 gallons of water per day just for flushing the toilet. Isn't that crazy to think about? We use more water flushing the toilet than most people actually use in taking care of themselves and preparing meals for themselves. Now, it goes even further than that. The average Americans use between 100 and 176 gallons of water per day, whereas the average African uses five gallons of water per day. It's pretty crazy. Now, listen to this. This one struck me. Almost 5,000 children die each day due to diseases caused by unclean water and poor sanitation. Now, I'm not doing a message on clean water, but here's how I want to relate this back to you. You know, this morning when you got up, wherever it was, were you grateful? Right? Were you grateful whenever you were able to take a shower? Or were you grateful for the water that you used to cook your breakfast or to take medicine if you did that today or to get something to drink? I mean, did you truly stop and say, you know, God, thank you so much for providing clean water for me? And I have to be candid, if, it's, if you're like me, and I'm doing the message this weekend, I didn't stop again today and say, God, thank you so much, not just for water, but I don't know about you guys, thank you so much for warm water. Right? Because it's great to be able to have warm water within our homes, and not only that, we have warm water in multiple locations all throughout, while most people don't even have access to clean water. And you see, sometimes the simplest things, no one in here would be at off. I said, you wouldn't believe what happened today. I got up and I turned on this thing in the kitchen and clean water came out. You would think I was up here lost my mind, right? Because we all know what happens when you turn that thing in the kitchen. Clean water comes out and we drink it and use it for whatever we need that day. But we don't stop to say thanks. We don't stop to say, God, thank you so much for providing. Why? Because everybody has that. 
There's no reason to stop and say thanks because it's just what we've come to expect. Sometimes the simplest things become the most neglected things. It happens in our relationships as well. Have you guys noticed that? Have you noticed how early on in a relationship you always say thanks or maybe you send a thank you card, but then as you progress in a relationship, you come to the place to where you actually think and believe that people recognize or know that you're thankful or grateful without you saying that. For me, it happens so often, as I mentioned, in my relationship with God. So often in my relationship with God, I, instead of thanking God for the things that he's done and for the way that he's provided for me, I actually go to God and when I ask him for something and he does that, I don't thank him for it, but it sets an expectation of what God should do. And I think, you know what, God, if you've done this, maybe next time you'll do more. So instead of thanking you right now, I'll thank you in the future when you do this again or you do it at an even greater level. And I think we all do this in our relationships. It's not just with God, it's with each other. We have this natural tendency to neglect the simplest things or let those things become common and then in turn expect the people around us and the people that we love and that love us to do even greater things to require us to say thanks for what they've done. Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus, and if you have your Bible, you can turn into Ephesians uh, chapter 5, and I'm going to do this a little bit different this weekend. But in Ephesians, uh, Paul is writing, and as he's writing to this church there, he's trying to help them understand this basic thought, that there could be so much more to the Christian life than what they were actually experiencing. Have you guys ever had that feeling? I mean, have you ever had the feeling like, hey, maybe there is so much more to the Christian life than what I'm actually experiencing today? I think most believers, if we're honest and if we're candid with others and with ourselves, we would say that we've said that before, that we've wondered that about our life and about the Christian life that we're experiencing and in Ephesians chapter 5, because we have a limited time this weekend, I'm not going to just read this and then unpack it. I'm just going to kind of unpack it for you as we look at the verses. But in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, it says this. Paul tells the church, do not get drunk with wine, for this is dissipation. Now let me tell you what that means. Dissipation is simply means self-destruction. And so Paul says this, do not get drunk or your life will self-destruct. Pretty simple, right? Do not get drunk or your life will self-destruct. And so that's where he starts off in what he's telling them. And then he makes a profound statement because he says, hey, don't get drunk or your life will self-destruct. And he goes on and he says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now he's helping them to see something. They were looking for one thing to provide something in their life. And he says, that won't provide anything but self-destruction. But what you need is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now here's what that means because it will direct the time that we have and the rest of the things. The Greek word for be filled with the Holy Spirit is this. It actually is translated this way. Be being kept filled. You see, the reason why we don't sometimes translate the, the Greek with the way that it reads is because it, didn't make a lot of good, it wouldn't make for good reading in the Bible, right? We wouldn't want to read something that says, be being kept filled with the Holy Spirit. That would be a little bit awkward for us. But he's saying here to the church at Ephesus, be being kept filled. 
One commentator wrote this. Listen, it's a, it's a rather long quote, but I think it'll help us. The continuous aspect of being filled, this thought, be being kept filled, involves day by day, moment by moment, submission to the Spirit's control. The passive aspect of this word indicates that it is something that we, that we do, but that it is not something that we do, but that we allow to be done within us. The filling is entirely the work of the Holy Spirit. He himself, uh, he, but he works only through our willing submission. The present aspect of the command indicates that we cannot rely on past fillings, nor live in the expectation of future fillings. We can rejoice in past fillings, we can look forward to future fillings, but we can only live in the present filling. So let me put this in just real simple language so that you'll understand what he's saying. He's saying this, if you want to accomplish everything that God has for your life, then you have to be dominated or permeated by God's Holy Spirit. You have to be submissive in such a way that God can truly fill you and come into you and be a part of life with you. You have to be a vessel that is willing to receive God into your life. And I don't know about you guys, but I think one of the greatest challenges, uh, just personally, as I pray each day and say, God, would you fill me? Would you move in my life? And the challenge that I face, and I don't know about you guys, but there seem to be maybe moments and, and sometimes hours where I think, you know, God, you truly are doing something in my life. You really are at work in me. But there seem to be greater moments where I let everything else come into my life and crowd out the Holy Spirit living and working and moving in my life. And Paul's telling the church at Ephesus, he's saying, there really is more to the Christian life, right? If you'll leave this and you'll do this, then there's some things that'll happen that actually make life better. And he goes on and he shares two things, and one of those I want to focus more of our time on. And, and he shares two things. The first thing that he says will happen. So here's how you can know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? You ready for this? The first one. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. In other words, one of the ways that you know that you are filled with the Holy Spirit is if your life is filled with singing. Literally, that God flows out of your life through song, through the words that you say and the way that you say them. Now, we travel a lot for the holidays. And my family gets a privilege and a treat that most people, actually none of you, at any of our campuses has ever had this opportunity. But when we travel, there's a radio station that we use in our car, and it's called WJHW. W. Joshua Hayes Whitehead, a station that only Joshua Whitehead can share with his family. Man, I crank out and hook up the iPod and, and I start playing the, the music and normally it's around the holidays. I don't know about you guys, but Christmas music starts November 1st for me and, and, and man, I start singing. And the great thing about WJHW is you get through the part of the song that you like, you hit the skip button, go to the next one. You know what I'm saying? And, and Kim literally, she normally goes bald after the holidays because she pulls her hair out just saying, would you please, you know, please. And I just belt it out, man. I sing. I really feel bad. I was thinking this morning, you know, 
I need to tap the people in front of me during worship and say, I'm so sorry you're sitting here because I'm going to sing so loud it's going to be obnoxious. And it's really bad, but it's WJHW. It is, I'm going to be full on, all out singing when I'm singing. I love to sing. But he's not just talking about singing songs that you hear on the radio or your favorite songs. He's literally saying here, and what he's trying to help us understand this, is that the infilling of the Holy Spirit actually changes the way that we speak to other people. The infilling of the Holy Spirit changes the way that we speak to other people. And the way that you know that you're filled with the Holy Spirit is characterized by the way that you talk to other people. And for each of us, so that we can understand this, you may think that you talk one way. But if you ask the people around you, they'll relate back to you truly the way that you actually do communicate. And it's probably very different than the way that you see it. Well, now, the, the part that I wanted to get to, he goes on and he doesn't just say speaking to one another in Psalms and all these different things. But he moves on and he tells the believers in Ephesus, always giving thanks to God. Listen to how he says it. For all things, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father. He actually helps us to see that when the Holy Spirit fills us and is in charge, that we actually have a heart of thankfulness that flows out from us towards God, and I believe he's literally saying towards other people as well. And this thought hit me as I was studying, and, and I really think it's so important for us to get, and it's this. The amount of thanksgiving that a person exhibits is a direct insight to the spiritual condition of their heart. It's the same way with songs. The way your words come out is a direct indication to what's happening in your heart. The way that you give thanks is a direct indicator into exactly what's happening in your heart and what you believe about what's happening in your life. So let me give you two lists of three things, and then we're going to kind of bring this uh, to a close here in just a few minutes. But the first thing I want you to see are three attitudes of giving. Three attitudes towards thankfulness or towards giving thanks. And I want you to see the first one is this. You believe that everything that you have, right, that, that giving thanks for the things that you have is unnecessary because you deserve basically all the things that have been given to you. Let me explain it to you this way. Most people don't really act like, they would never say, well, that's me. I don't read that and say, you know what, are you a person who actually believes that everything that you have should have been given to you and maybe things that you don't have? You No, no, that's not me. But some of us live that way, right? Some of us live with an attitude or a perspective that what we have is ours and the things that we want should be ours. And, and each of us have this problem at moments in our life to where instead of giving thanks and being thankful, we say, hey, all the things that I have belong to me. They are mine, and they belong to me, and I deserve them. The second group of people I think so often that we see are this. Uh, there are people who give meaningless thanks. They're actually hypocrites. They say, thank you so much. But they mean, that's right, you should have given, why didn't you give me more? And you see this in the Bible in Luke chapter 18. Uh, there is a Pharisee and he's praying and the disciples are standing in awe. They're like, 
listen to this guy. He is so eloquent in the way that he prays. And Jesus looks over and he says, do you hear that guy? And they're like, oh, yeah, we hear him. He was praying down heaven in this moment. And Jesus said he is praying to himself. He actually has received his reward in full. And his reward are the words that he has spoken that are giving, uh, giving people, getting people to look at him instead of him truly giving thanks to God for what God has done. He was praying so that people would see him, not because he truly prayed because he had a heart of, uh, and, of gratitude and thanksgiving to God. And because of that, Jesus says he has his reward in full. Now, some of us are hypocrites, right? There are moments in our life where someone gives us something and, and we believe that they should have given it to us. And, and we each have these situations. And we'll unpack that in just a few minutes. And the last thing we see here is this, that there's a third person that we see. And it's a person who has truly a heart of thankfulness. In the same book in Luke in chapter 17, just right before that, there were 10 lepers, 10 guys who had leprosy. And they came to Jesus, and he, they were calling out to him. They said, Jesus, would you heal us? And Jesus said, yeah, make your way to the priest and show him, and you'll be made well. And somewhere along the way, their leprosy was healed. And as they're healed, there were nine of these guys, the Bible tells us, that were Jews. And there were one of these guys, the Bible tells us, that was a Samaritan. And the Jews hated the Samaritans. And as these guys are going along, they're healed, and they're making their way to the priest, and they realize our, our leprosy is gone. Our bodies have been made whole. And in the moment that they realize this, in the moment that they realize that everything was perfect about them, nine of them kept walking the way that they were going. And one of them thought, oh my goodness, we asked Jesus to heal us, and he actually did that. And it was the Samaritan, the most unlikely one. And he turned around and he made his way back to Jesus and he said, Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you have healed me, that you have cared for me, that you, have, that, that you did this for me. And Jesus said that in that moment, that Samaritan became a follower of his. You see, he had a true heart of thankfulness. He said, thank you so much. I didn't deserve this, but you did it for me anyway. So we see these attitudes, but let's finish and look at three levels of thanksgiving. So as we approach this week, I want you to see three, three levels of thanksgiving. And, and take these down, if you will, if you're taking notes. I think they'll really be helpful. Level one, we're thankful when we're blessed. We're thankful when we're blessed. It's the lowest level of giving thanks that there actually is in life. And you know, it, it goes like this. This is how we would see this level of giving thanks. You get a pay raise at work. Or the loan goes through on the house that you want to buy. And after all of that happens, what do we say? Thank you, God. Right? We're not really grateful before that happens. But in the moment that it happens, we say, thank you, God. It always happens after the fact. And there's really nothing wrong with that. It's great to thank God. But it is the lowest form of thankfulness that we can have. Because we have gotten something before it triggered a response of gratitude, of thankfulness. To God. The second level of thanksgiving or that you'll see and, and we find throughout scripture is this. It's the level of thanksgiving that is grateful or thankful when we see a blessing coming. And the reason why it's the next level up is because these people don't have to have something done to them or experience something. They're grateful because they understand what God's word says and they take God 
at his word. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, it says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. In verse 37, it says, But in all these things, we are overwhelmingly conquerors through him who loved us. Right, the person who sees something coming and can then be grateful is a person who is saying, hey, God is in control of every aspect of my life, right? It's a person who says, no matter what this situation that I find myself is, God is ultimately in control, and because he works all things together for good, I can say thanks, God, because I know that you are in control. You see, at this level, this person hasn't received something to initiate it. This person is saying, thank you, God, because of who you are and because of what you've done for me. And then the last one is the person who's able to give thanks when life is falling apart. It's the highest level of thanksgiving, and it comes when a person who says, hey, you know what, everything in my life seems to be, uh, be, be pointing to the place that my life, things aren't going to work out the way that we planned. But they're able to say thanks. You know, it just reminded me of, uh, of a person uh, that I know of who found out that they had cancer. And, and people who find out that they have cancer, or you guys, some of you know this so intimately that the doctor says, hey, there's a spot, and you think, oh, no. And when they come back and say, hey, that spot, it was nothing, then most people can say, thank you, God, right? But some people... When they find that spot, and even some people at our campuses this weekend, they come back and say, you have cancer. And people respond normally in one of two ways. They respond by saying, how could God let this happen to me? But other people seem to respond in this level of thanksgiving that when all of life is falling apart, when it even appears that life may end, they're able to say, thank you, God. Thank you for the moments that you've given me. Thank you for the life that you've allowed me to be a part of. And thank you for the faith that you've given me because I'm going to work through this and live through this in such a way to believe that for me to live as Christ, if you extend my life, great. And if not, it's even better for the opportunity that I have to spend eternity with you. In Daniel chapter 6, we find that in his life. The king had said, hey, no longer can you, anyone here, worship the one true God. And Daniel said, forget that. And he bowed down and he continued to worship God. And you remember his story. They took him out. They threw him in a lion's den. He said, it doesn't matter. I'm going to praise God no matter what happens. Those are the people who are at the highest level of thanksgiving because they say, no matter what, God is in control. Now, remember how when we started, I mentioned that sometimes the simplest things are the most neglected things? You see, Thanksgiving, I think, for all of us in giving thanks, it's just something that's become neglected, right? We so often say, thanks, thanks, but it's only after something happens. And I had this thought and, and that's pretty rare for me, so I wrote it down and I said, most of us fail to thank God for what we have. An anticipation for thanking, of thanking him for what we want to receive next. Have you ever gotten a raise and you said, man, if it would have only been a little bit more. 
see, sometimes we don't thank God. We think, next year I'm going to get another raise, and so I'm going to look ahead to the next raise, and if it's better, I'll thank God for that one. Sometimes we neglect the simplest things, the things that God does for us day in and day out. And we forget that it's not about thanking him for what he does tomorrow, but for what he does in this moment. Now, we can be raw and real at Faith Promise, right? Pastor says that all the time. You guys, are you okay with that? We can be raw and real? Yeah, we can be raw and real. And this is what God really spoke to me as I was studying over the last few weeks for this message. And I really sensed that God wanted me to, to talk to you guys really honestly and seriously because sometimes we get so caught up in the vision of our church. And I'm talking about we being us, the pastors and staff of our church. Sometimes we get so caught up in what we believe God wants to do, what we see within you and what he wants to do with you, but not just that, the way that that impacts all of our campuses and and what will happen in the future for future campuses. And we get so caught up thinking about what we need and what we want and the people that need to serve and all these things that we forget to say thanks. Thank you. Right, the fact that you would be here today attending at one of our campuses is something that we don't often say, thank you. We often will say, you don't attend enough, right? You need to come more. But we never stop and say, thank you for being here. Thank you for serving. So many people have served already this weekend at each of our campuses, taking care of our kids or standing at the door or being in the parking lot or leading a small group this week or coming up and shopping or taking care of kids for a Bible study here on campus, whatever it would be, there are tons of people who have already served and people who have given. Last weekend, as people sacrificed and gave, and each weekend of the year, 52 weekends a year, people give. Thank you, guys, so much for giving. Because sometimes we, as a staff team, neglect the simplest things. And the simplest things of saying, thank you guys for what you do. And for the way that you give. And the way that you serve. And the way that you partner with our church to bring the message of Christ around the world. At each of our locations, our campus pastors will come forward. And and we're going to end our service. But I just want you guys to know from our heart, that we have a heart of thanksgiving and gratitude for the people who serve at Faith Promise, who give, who attend, who take steps in Christ. This year, 572 people to this past weekend have been baptized and taken a step with Christ. I mean, there are people taking steps every day. Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the way that you allow us the opportunity to partner with you to accomplish all that we believe God wants to in the life of our church. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the people who uh, call Faith Promise their home and for people who, um, who sacrifice their time and their resources, who, um, who sometimes have even sacrificed relationships uh, because they were going to follow after you. And God, don't ever let us take that lightly. And for each of us, Father, I pray that Thanksgiving would not be something that happens one week a year, but it would be the outflow of your spirit at work in our life. 
God, would you move? And would you help us to become a people who are always saying, thank you, God, because everything that you give us is an incredible blessing. God, thank you for our church, for the people who are here. Let them know of our sincere heart of gratitude what they mean to us. In Christ's name we pray.